I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That's me. With me as always. Now I'd imagine perpetually wearing sunglasses in some sort of homage to PFT commenter, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on, man? In perpetuity, Mike. Wearing sunglasses in perpetuity. Shouts out to you. Shouts out to the God. And the Lord is good. College football is here at our backs. And we just got to float with the wind for the rest of this uh, podcast season. I don't even know how seasons work with podcasts, but it, we've definitely entered to a new territory. How you doing, Mike? We have entered into new territory, Brandon. It is uh, officially now we are through most of week one of college football season. We know as you know, this podcast comes out on Monday, we still have one more game coming up Monday night as we have, and we talked about five straight days of college football over the weekend because we didn't have the NFL. We are now in week one of the NFL season. That's getting ready to go right now, so everything's happening all at once here and it's a good time to remind you that as so many things are happening make sure that you download subscribe rate and review gojo wherever you get your podcast leave us a five-star rating and a review make sure you keep popping that in there also 
as we've told you we're going to keep reminding you we're on youtube now the DraftKings youtube channel yes. has the gojo with mike golick jr playlist you can go and check out our full episodes there clips that get put up there plenty of things that are going to be coming your way on that front so make sure you go ahead and click subscribe on the DraftKings youtube page give us the little thumbs up things and just help out there because if you were to tune in today on youtube you would maybe get to see brandon newman and his delightful not only sunglasses but beautiful bob ross t-shirt as he supports art yes and as i make uh his face jump with my my titty muscle mike uh this is a happy time because football is officially back but it's a sad time because i as a creature of the internet i really really do enjoy those this is the last sunday until and and the one i got this last one mike this is the last sunday without nfl football until february 2023 that's true. This is the real last time. Well, you know what we have coming up next is there's going to be that weekend once the NHL and NBA seasons actually get started where we're going to have all four sports going yes. together at one point during the fall. Because I think there's one point where Major League Baseball's postseason, the NFL's regular season, and then the beginning of the NHL and NBA overlap. And we're going to get to do that sports equinox weekend October. and have the debate about... Yeah, we're going to have yeah. the debate about what's the best weekend in sports. So we will wave goodbye to the last weekend without football memes that all of the major different network accounts want to throw out there. Good job by the social media folks for earning their keep. It's big time stuff. And we will have all your football coverage here. Um, we're going to get to spread out college football over a couple of days because we didn't have the NFL this weekend. It's Monday, and we've got roses to hand out from over the weekend to the deserving performers since, as we said around here, the Bachelor and Bachelorette is a sport, and we want to make sure that they feel represented in how we pers- and we- how we put this out there. But, Brandon, uh, someone who's probably above a rose at this point, maybe full-blown flowers since that's the, st- the phrase people always want to use around this. Hell yeah. I was amazed going into the weekend, and we didn't have the chance to talk about this because our podcast comes out on Friday mornings, but Friday night, as we are going into a college football weekend that started with the backyard brawl on Thursday, everyone's jacked up for that season, the U.S. Open took center stage in every possible way. You had football games move to E2, Serena Williams in what was, we think, maybe still her last appearance as a professional tennis player at the U.S. Open. She unfortunately lost in the third round. It was an exciting match. She went out like an absolute champion in that. It took all of three sets. The last game was an absolute war of attrition, but it ultimately ended with Serena Williams being done. And Brandon, it was, again, like we had talked about in the second round when she managed to rally through and keep advancing at the U.S. Open. It was appointment television, and you felt like everyone was rallied around waiting for it, and seeing it happen, seeing the emotion for Serena Williams as she went through this before she ultimately got on the mic at the end and was asked if this was actually going to be her last match, and then kind of waffled like Brandon I don't know how you perceive that but I had said I was wondering how far she was going to have to make it in this tournament for us to get the articles written wondering would Serena actually retire would her performance in this tournament spur her to maybe she even said I wish I had started playing earlier this season clearly I was playing pretty well here I, I I think ultimately what we're going to get is someone who was in the heat of the moment, who was enjoying all that. She got to say and give thanks to her parents that were there, talked about how much her sister Venus meant to her, thank everyone in the crowds. I think the adrenaline of that moment probably gave into that. 
And then I think waking up as a someone north of 40 with all the other responsibilities in her life in about a week's time, retirement might feel a little better at that point. So I'm not going to call it the comeback trail yet, but she did leave the door open a little bit there. Uh, uh, I don't know Silk she, Sonic. In my opinion, I don't think... Thank you. I can't let that go by uh, without acknowledgement. Um in my opinion, I don't really think she left the door open. I don't think she waffled any more than she did when saying that she's evolving from tennis versus retiring. I think the heartfelt, uh, you know, goodbye or recognition of the of the time. I mentioned to you guys that I am new in I am in New York City in Jersey via New York City and driving in New York City and seeing the billboards it just says thank you to the goat and it's a big tennis ball and Serena like it, I don't know who paid for it but thank you uh for that billboard. Like it's it's bigger than tennis but I also feel like that it's bigger than her in that regard. And I think that this is the way for her to go out. Like as hard as she fought those uh, the tiebreaker like this match was grueling we saw serena i feel like in my opinion tired in a way for the first time in a very very long time and i think that i think i think this might i think this is it she she said i daddy i know you're watching from above and the best thing i heard her say mike is and this is what is really important uh to a lot of people in the tennis community there's no serena without venus and she made sure to acknowledge her sister show her love her sister who was looking amazing every time they showed her but the 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 sternness and the and the the stoic look on her face was like i was like i don't even know what's going on in her head that she's so locked into this game she might she's like playing with her and obviously they played doubles together so they got back on a court uh, for the for first time in a very long time, and, so it was, it was just like a special got moment. Bounced pretty quick, which was a bummer. Yeah, yeah, because it, yeah, because you can't fake the funk. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like the lady who Tom Tom Janovich who lost or who beat Serena, she said, "I thought she was going to beat me." Like it's Serena. Like I'm a huge fan. How like, wild it, was that? It, it it was just it just I think all of it points to. It is her time to go, and it, and it, 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 it didn't. She didn't go out in a win, but she went out in a way like she was the sun. Mike, she took all of it. It was quicksand. Like everyone, I, I didn't even think about Nick Carrios playing. You know what I'm saying? Like everything was all about yeah. Serena. That is true. As Nick Kyrgios continues to advance and knocks off Daniil Medvedev in the tournament on the men's side, but you're right. It was all the focus was all there, and it is interesting because we talked about that sort of what these all-time greats like Serena, like Tiger, like all the names we throw around in these individual sports kind of do, and that's a hard thing to let go of. You saw Serena and Tiger walking off the court together. He was there, among other people, like Saquon Barkley was there. There was the great reaction video of him going through it, watching one of the points during the match. We saw, at one point, Brandon, I had so many windows open, and I was watching a bunch of college football games on my laptops, and I had tennis up on the big TV with the sound on, but at one point I looked down and I was watching the Indiana football game. Uh, Indiana and Illinois were playing, and I looked up and Spike Lee was kind of wearing maroon. And yes. for a split second, I was like, "Why is Spike Lee at the IU game?" <laughs> He's wearing the stripes too, Mike. Like the little IU, like he had some like stripe get up on, like. <laughs> No, it, it, it was it was it was a lot happening all at once. But I think in the aftermath, 
certainly we saw all the outpouring. I mean, when you have a piece narrated by Oprah that's running Man. during the tournament, you know it's a big deal. And Serena's going to continue to get her flowers. She's going to continue to be someone that I think is relevant in so many of the ways we see our star athletes after their sport is over now. I think we're in a time period where that's a lot more normal for these people to also be entrepreneurs in different spaces and remain in our lives. But her not being in the tennis court is definitely going to be difficult. One of the things in this tournament, and it would be a very, very interesting full circle moment, and I saw Dominique Foxworth tweeting about this, Coco Goff advanced to the quarterfinals Mm -hmm. for the first time. She now becomes, I believe, the youngest women's tennis player to reach that area or that round since 2009. The youngest American woman to reach the U.S. Open quarterfinals since 2009. And we're at a point now, I think the final eight that were left were all people that hadn't advanced beyond the quarterfinals in this tournament before. So again, someone else got to step up now. And boy, to see Coco Goff maybe be the one to take that mantle and do it at the tournament that was Serena's final tournament would be a pretty awesome moment for American tennis, for young black girls who grew up believing that they could be a part of of this sport because of what Venus and Serena did. Absolutely. So if if it has to end, what a bit, you know, it, this is one of those things where you couldn't write a story better than this. It would be an incredible bit of narrative yes. closure for a lot of people and something that feels like the beginning of what we're all waiting for now. What comes next in the sport of tennis without Serena Williams, really without Venus and Serena Williams for the first time in our lifetime. So that yes. is certainly a big part of what went on this weekend but Brandon we know it wasn't the only part of what went on this weekend and before we get to football I want to give a shout out to the fine folks that have you looking so good on this podcast Brandon our friends at knock around sunglasses went and got it done their polarized sunglasses that cost just about $30 a pair are now gracing Brandon Newman's face on an almost daily basis. He mm-hmm. was so excited, he just went on Instagram live and started flexing on everybody. So that's what you do when you've got over a billion possible combinations that you can hit in the knockaround custom shop. When you can Damn customize skippy. the font, the front, the arms, the lenses, the logo color, so you can have Notre Dame sunglasses, and you can have Lakers sun- color sunglasses, and you can have Kentucky color sunglasses here. You can do it all, and you can get a pair specifically for game day like Brandon Newman did. They are lightweight, they have great clarity, and they're the perfect sunglasses for you to rock going into the fall. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com and because they're already affordable we thought we'd still help you out here and make them even a little more affordable type in promo code gojo for 20 percent off at checkout again that's knockaround.com promo code gojo 20 percent off at checkout they're already about 30 dollars a pair it's because we care it's because we love you do the math do the math man what's 20 what's 20 percent of 30 brandon we've done this before i don't know it's six something Six dollars or something. It is. Shit. I don't it's know. six. It's six dollars. Yeah, you got Ooh. it, man. Nice like that. You know what? I'll make the math even easier, Brandon. Here because it's time to give out roses. It is Monday on this podcast. I don't know how many times I got to say it? Big fan of the Bachelor. Believe that it is yes. sports. Giving out roses is just the way that I know how to show my support for people doing great things. And so each Monday, Brandon and I get two roses. We get to give them out to. Pretty much anyone in the world, anything in sports, anything that we want to celebrate coming off the weekend. Brandon, since you are looking so good today and you have blessed the screens of everyone's YouTube page, 
with the style. I'm gonna give you the first rose here. Brandon, when you are ready, the first froze, the first rose, not froze, rose is yours. Thank you, Mike. <sighs> After a crazy week of college football, a bunch of great candidates, everyone looked good, uh, played good. But this one individual, Mike, I really want to bring into next week with me. Amari Bernie, will you accept this rose? If you don't know who Amari Bernie is, number two linebacker for the Florida Gators in the swamp, and I can't wait for you to hand this baton off to you, Mike, so you can wax poetic about this game that you called with the homie Salone Martin, who was on this podcast on Friday. Okay, the 228-pound, 6'2", St. Petersburg, Florida, which is important, Mike, because Ain't much coming from St. Petersburg other than Rod Wave and the Beefo Brady's Bowl back in the day. And this man, a fifth-year senior who has played ever, ever since his redshirt year, he's found himself on the field in some way or, or shape or form for the Florida uh, Gators, but not in this way, not in this meaningful way. His coach, linebackers, Jay Bateman, uh, my, D-line, uh, my defensive coordinator back at Ball State, and I'm so happy for him starting the season off like this, especially taking a linebacker's position when he was just a defensive coordinator at UNC uh, who had their problems uh, week one. Uh, this moment for this player, uh, you know, new regime, to, to put your faith and leadership into that group and have a guy who hasn't made a play like that make a play like that to end a game. And, and Mike, this is where you take off and go crazy because – out of all the blowouts and all the crazy stuff that happened, Mike, like your game was the game and that ending was the ending because it was a defensive ending for my, in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, the Florida Gators pulled off the upset against the seventh ranked Utah Utes in Gainesville at the swamp. It was momentous for both teams. You mentioned Billy Napier takes over as the head coach for the Florida Gators. And this had been a back-and-forth offensive slugfest. Really, both teams grinding it out and out-physicaling the opposing defense. And Florida had driven to take the lead. Uh, Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, might just miss the medal stand as far as a rose this week, only because man. he's going to get every other accolade in college football, man. An absolute freak show, what he's done. All the ability... That, that is the most ability they've had in the quarterback room since Cam Newton was in that quarterback room Ooh. back in the day. I like that, Mike, because I was I like, was I was like, was it? Did I see Chris Leak and Tim Tebow do the fusion dance? No, man. Well, because I mean, listen, he wears fifteen like Tebow, so that's going to feel familiar to a lot of people. Of course. But listen, we know Tim Tebow, incredible physical gifts, but. Cam Newton's a step above that. I don't think that's sacrilege to say, even Absolutely. at Florida. What Tim, what Tim accomplished is incredible. He's one of the best college football players we've ever seen. But physical ability-wise, this guy is just an absolute mutant. You saw basically a pirouette on a two-point conversion. You'll see it number one on SportsCenter for basically the next week. Mike, Mike, he drives Mike, down Mike. and scores, and then you... Yeah, go Not ahead. just a pirouette, a, a, a pump fake pirouette. There was so much movement going on. The ball was in the air, and then it wasn't, and then it was in the air again. It was impo It was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen in person. It, it, full it, stop. Just go, yeah, full stop. So go ahead and check it out. But Brandon, they go down and score, and then Utah drives the length of the field and has a chance to do this as well. And as they're driving, they make it down into the red zone, and Amari Bernie ends up being the one 
who seals the game for them with an interception in their end zone for a touchback off the Utah quarterback Cam Rising. And there was so much cool about that, Brandon, for a program that's preached discipline coming off a year where they were 120th in penalty yards per game. Mm. The coolest part with Amari Bernie was he ran down the field, was celebrating with all his teammates, and he went to rip off his helmet and spike it and, you know, get hyped like everyone would. And he saw, I literally saw him on the replay take his helmet off, realize, oh bleep, this is going to be a penalty if I do this, and put it back on and then keep celebrating. I guarantee that's going to be a moment they highlight in the team meeting next week. Because they still, they had their problems, they had their penalties, but Florida announced their presence in a big, big way, and Amari Bernie, like you said, was the guy that managed to cap it off and is one of the guys that they're going to count on in the middle of that defense. You can hear Bill. You can hear Bill Napier already. Is like this. Everyone, do you think this is the play that won the game? No, 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 no. It was this play that won the game for us. These are the plays that's going to get coaches, us to the Coaches love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we talk about, man. Right here. This is the discipline. That's why we're only wearing white socks. That's why you can't have water while we're weightlifting. You can have it before. You can have it after. You can't have it during. That's actually a true thing, by the way. They can't. I love apparently that. their strength coach. I, I I actually hate it, but what I do love is their starting center was interviewed yeah. and asked about it, and he said, "I actually think that's a bad thing." And you could, I hope he's like, "I hope our strength coach hears this." He's like, "We should, he's like we're pushing weight around there. We should be able to drink water." I was like, "That is a guy who is so sure of his veteran status." And their O line hey. played great. He's a big part of it. Eggwalk Eggwalken is his, is his last name. He played great, and so when you know you're going to be one of the guys they need, you can voice your opinion as a vet. And I appreciate that he spoke up, and he's like, yeah, you know, I believe in a lot of the discipline, but I don't think this is good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard, especially for a, a new team or a new regime to be like, okay, because you got to buy in on everything or, or not at all, right? That's what they say, but like, let's be real. We're all adults here. You can buy in to, right. to the majority of it that's good and, and also want water in between sets. I love that they won't give them water during the workouts, but they go into their new $85 million practice facility that they built there, and they have zero-gravity chairs, and everyone has the Normatec boots that they can wear, and they've got every amenity possible except water during workouts. Like, it's, it's again, like you said, I understand the point it underscores, but I disagree with it as a practice based on literally everything we know about exercise science. But, you know what, Brandon, it's one of those things that, even though they disagree with that, the team's bought in very clearly. Like, you can say that all you want, but it showed up on the field that this team believes in what Billy Napier is selling them as a program. That was a coach that, when he announced he was leaving Louisiana, the team still wanted him to be there coaching for the Sun Belt Championship that they mm, won mm, mm, mm. and very much celebrated it like a going-out party. So that was very cool. That is a great first rose, Brandon. Very much appreciate that. My Thank first rose is going to go uh, off the field because this clip was making the rounds yesterday. And if you could not get emotional watching uh, Shane Hawkins, I said Oliver Shane, I guess is his full name, the son of Taylor Hawkins, the former drummer of the Foo Fighters, who unfortunately passed away far too soon. This was at actually a Taylor Hawkins tribute concert that the Foo Fighters were a part of. And there were plenty of other people, Elton John, Liam Gallagher, Paul McCartney, there to honor and celebrate the drummer who died unexpectedly this year. And as a part of it, Shane went up there, joined the rest of the band that his father had played with, 
and played their massive hit, My Hero. And the video of it mm. is just mm. stunning, Brandon, for a kid who lost his dad unexpectedly, who's a young person dealing with that, for a band who lost a guy that they had known forever, to all come up there and mourn and grieve together in that way that for so long Taylor Hawkins was a part of. You saw a moment at the end of the song where Shane's just beating the shit out of these drums. And Dave Grohl, the lead singer, just looks back there and has the biggest smile on his face watching Shane finish off that song and just drinking in that whole moment. And, you know, uh, Dave Grohl, who is felt like one of like the last real rock stars, one of the coolest guys when you think of that genre, broke down during a couple of songs during this concert, obviously was emotional speaking about Taylor at the beginning of this, but I just thought it was an incredible moment. So much of what we talk about is great moments that make sports sing, but for music, and I was talking to Jason Fitz about this, a friend of our podcast, he's like, sometimes you do go up there and you got to play through anger and you got to play through sadness and you're trying to work out these emotions in the way that's most normal to you. And you obviously feel for everyone involved, especially Shane, who lost his freaking dad. But to watch them come together for that moment in what was supposed to be a whole celebration of life for this person was really, really freaking cool and really, really emotional. Yeah, condolence to the entire the Foo Fighter Nation family. Like that's that's the type of band that you grow up with. The type of band that you uh, has a has stands instead of fans uh, following them. And uh, they did things right because they do things right, and they're led by Dave Grohl, who you know is just a human. And, First and foremost, you mentioned me as a rock star. Like he really is like a human before all the rest of that stuff. So, and that's why they're so great, and, and that's why the music resonates so so much. So, thank you for for bringing that uh, bringing light to that. No, definitely, and I think you're right about the fan portion of it. Dave Grohl got up and said, you know, tonight we're gathered to celebrate the life, the music, and the love of our dear friend, our bandmate, and our brother Taylor Hawkins. For those of you who knew him personally, you know that no one else could make you smile or laugh or dance or sing like he could, and for those of you that admired him from afar, I'm sure you all felt the same thing. So very giving of themselves, an impressive moment there. Had to start that off with the rose here, Brandon. What do you got for rose number two, my friend? I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. <sighs> well, this is, you know, I like the connected tissue of our podcast. Um, and since we had Katie Nolan on last week, and she mm. sent her audio to me and just uh, named it the Pujols Podcast. Because she just, you know, mentioned Albert Pujols during that interview. Albert Pujols. Wait a minute. Am I saying his name right? Pujols? 
Our you, you are saying his name right, although I had to. A- I was meant to ask you before when you every time you talk about Sloan Martin, you put an a U H after the S. It's Sloan. What I say? What I say? What how I say it? You you you've you've been saying Sloan every time you say her name, and it's just Sloan. And I've been meaning to ask you if you thought it was see, spelled see, differently. No, 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 no. That's that's one of those things that that's the same thing for black people. That y'all just hearing it differently. It's okay. It's okay. I understand what you. I understand what you saying. But I know it's her name, so I'm gonna make sure that she knows that I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to like Sylvester Stallone like mess her name up. Like it's just it's just my my tongue big. You know what I'm saying? Slow. Slow. Is that right? That time. I hate how you. I hate how you're saying it like your white insurance salesman voice now. Uh, Sloan. 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 I gotta think. Like if, if I, to, for me to pronounce words the way that uh, certain the, ears the way the from what, the Caucasus Brandon? Mountains, <laughs> certain ears from the Caucasus Mountains can understand it. I have to think about every letter in the word. So, like, like with pen. Pen, hand me the pen. Uh, how do you want to say pen? Because how do you want to say pen, pen, Brandon? Pen, 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 pen. It's like a code. P I N is a pen. It's an ink pen. Hand me the damn pen. Give me the pen. What's the pen? What's the pen to get into this uh, other person's Instagram? Been pimping since been pimping since been pimping since been pimping. Okay, but, Rose, this is me. This is me. Uh, this is me um, deflecting because this is a baseball topic. So I'm gonna try to make sure I don't f, f this. I think up. you did get it right though. It was Pujols. I, I know. It, I trust me. It's been, it's our Pujols. It's like it's our Pujols. It's like me saying, "Am I saying Sosa? Sammy Sosa? Is that what it's right? Sammy Sosa, our Pujols, right?" Hits his 695th home run on Sunday, okay, based on uh, this uh, thing that projects what it, what it, what the, the home run actually did. The 42-year-old knocked one out of the park 429 feet. Mm. I think that's, that, that's, that, that's like a, a big one. The reason this is important is he is one shy away from Alex Rodriguez, fourth all-time in home runs, and he is five. Yes, five with the number on his back away from that five or that 700th home run, which is, would just cement his legacy, make it so like no one forgets. There's a bunch of legends that only like people that really follow. Like, remember, like I want Albert Pujols to be a guy that a casual baseball fan always looks back and remember as somebody who just hit long dongs. And it was very important, even on the way out in his last like he just shut out the Cubs. With uh, with this, and he used to he's been a cup killer his entire career at St. Louis. So, um, I'm happy for him, happy for his family. He said it feels different in that ballpark. He would know. Um, every he said the fans are, are kind of pulling for him, uh, to uh, to you know break these records at his time. And obviously, Aaron Judge is you know you know he's hit like what was it 53 up at, at this point. But yeah, so Judge so Judge is at 53. And you know what? I am insp- I'm glad you brought this up, Brandon, because I am inspired by Katie coming on and telling us that we're all not se- well. She doesn't know because she's buried in baseball world right now, so she doesn't know or care what's going on in national media world right now. Right. But I felt insecure about it because I knew we weren't doing a good enough job. So yes, we will say right now on this podcast and then likely forget to do a better job covering Albert Pujols quest for 700 and Aaron Judge's quest to hit 61 home runs. 
I mean, it's dongs. It's baseball. We're big guys. Those are big guys. Like, uh, of course, we're going to give the big guys some spin some, some, and some win. But anyway, so just shout out to him. It's very historic. Like, he could have, you know, his shoulder could have went away a long time ago, elbow injury, something like that. And we would just not say anything about it. We'd be like, oh, you know, he had the home run derby at the All-Star game. And he, he showed out, you know, let's, let's, let's pat him on the back. But, no, he's like, he's doing it, and he's, and he's actually helping the team at the, at the same time. So. Yeah, been hot lately. So shout out to Albert Pujols, however you pronounce his name, hopefully the right way, for going out here and mashing Brandon's favorite thing in the world, which is big, large American dongs. Amen. Eat them up. Speaking of big and large, Brandon, my second rose, there's only one possible thing. Now, I don't know technically because I haven't done the research and I go based off what y'all tell me I watched a lot of college football this weekend so I like to think I would have known if it had happened elsewhere or if it had happened before and so if it has feel free to correct me but as we get started in this young college football season I believe I saw the first documented thick six of the year happen in the western Kentucky and Hawaii game over the weekend six foot three 275 pounds from Sugar Hill Georgia Give it up for Western Kentucky's very own Jawan Jones, rocking the number 34 on D-line, which is becoming cooler and cooler as I think about it. He helped them. They beat Hawaii 49-17. to We said this last week when uh, Vandy beat him. It's going to be a long-ass year for Hawaii, but we celebrate the thick six around here, O-lineman and D-lineman getting loose and getting in the zone. Happy for that young man. It was a failed screen by Hawaii. He got great penetration in the backfield. Hawaii's quarterback chucked it up, and he took that thing to the crib. And did it look smooth, Brandon? So shout out to him. Certainly, uh, uh, this is more of a textbook, and I know some people have debated this. I think I heard the pardon my take guys talk about shouldn't a thick six just be when it's a pick six by a defensive lineman? I think it should Mm. account for all big boy touchdowns if an offensive lineman manages to do this eligible on the other side. But this is what you would call the tried and true, a thoroughbred thick six with an actual interception going for a touchdown by a big boy. Mike, have you ever seen the end zone as a thick? Have you ever thick sixed? No. Never even never even got close, Brandon. Never got a chance. No one drew it up for me. It feels kind of messed up now, thinking back to high school. I begged yeah. my offensive coordinator every week. I said, come on, you got one touch for me down by the red zone. I was the mm-hmm. center, which was kind of the issue here. So I was True. the one that was most in charge of getting the ball in play, and they were worried about the exchange is the excuse they gave. I think it was bullshit. I feel like you had to have gotten in the end zone, right? You were built like an absolute battering ram. Michael, thank you for saying so. Shouts out to the, uh, the fridge, William Perry. No, Mike, they was hating. And that's why Thick Six is so important to me, Mike. And that's why my time in Notre Dame still has a little twinge because I was like, man, if I would have just gone to Western Kentucky, maybe I would have got a couple Thick Sixes. Maybe I would have been in the record books for Thick Sixes in the state of Kentucky because I would have been in there because I would have demanded. Like, you I'm you did have an interception when you were at Ball State, though, right? I did have an interception. Yes, I did have an interception. Thank you. That proves that I actually I got these hands. Not only that I was uh, in the depth chart that for the kickoff nice. return team. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, I got some, a version of these hands. But no, the best thing I had, Mike, is in high school back at Pleasure Ridge Park. Yes, we've talked about it before. South to the thick sixes over there, uh, Nolan, mm. who had his. My quarterback. It was one of those screens that like don't go well, right? Like oh, like a, like a yeah. quick screen like and I was offensive lineman as well all county all, uh, all state, and 
light work. The the play the play dissolved, and my quarterback he really did. He like fumbled it towards me. You know what I mean? Like it almost looked like a throw, but he was being tackled. But he know my big ass was gonna pick it up. Mike, I ran. It was it was our far end zone, and we were like at the five, and I ran it back to like the twenty two twenty three, and. It was the it was the closest I got, Mike, and this is a highlight. Like uh, oh. having the ball in my hand, there was something about it that felt so fucking natural too. Damn, man. But yeah, shout out, shout out. Damn you! When you just pick it up and you feel like you're running well, bro, bro. I, I honestly because felt like our homie Marshall did, Newhouse. Now, did, did it look like you were running well? Because I've had moments where I feel like I'm running well, and then I see it on tape later. Yep. This was true when I ran my 40 at Pro Day. I felt like I was out there killing it, and then they told me hand-timed it was a 5.38, and I realized I had to look like someone running slow motion in a dream. So I didn't know if it actually looked good for you or not. Well, you, you that that time just tells me you popped up probably in the first five yards. You're supposed to kind of keep those shoulders oh, yeah. down, continue to explode out instead of up. Um, but <laughs> but no, I honestly it was one of those things. It was the same thing. Mike, I went and saw the film, and I was like, I really just need to bend my knees. I just need to I need to get a lower center of gravity. I, I will say, Brandon, you just posted a video the other day of you and your son Carter. Carter was throwing you a pass, and then yes. you caught the pass and took off running, and Carter took off running after you, and yes. that young man runs exactly like his daddy. <laughs> there were no knees getting picked up. It was a low glide. He was ready. Oh. And no, that's the thing. It's like it's so surprising how fast I am because the movement is really just from the knee down. Yes. It's incredible. <laughs> it is absolutely incredible. Okay, so that was as close as you got to the thick six there. I appreciate that in high school you basically pulled off what Robert Hunt almost did for the Dolphins, which was totally illegal in catching a screen pass and then trying to run it to the end zone and then getting stopped just short of the goal line. That was you were you were before your you were ahead of the curve, I should say. I mean, yeah, and especially well, you could, well, you can say the high school referees were below the curve like they usually are. Uh, but shout yeah. out to everyone who's out there doing it. You know what I mean? We need you. Yeah, shout out to our big boys, man. We appreciate y'all going out here and repping for the cause. And uh, Brandon, since we're gonna talk about thick sixes, it might be time, and we gotta go on the honor code on this one, man. I told you I'm gonna put out picks for this week for this weekend. Gonna yes. try and go and help people win some money. Put it out there. Give you some direction. And let's just say the first weekend didn't go so great. We'll just put it out there, all right? We put out every Friday, we'll be putting out the thick six, which will usually be a combination of college football and NFL bets that we like going into the weekend. And as we go along, we hit that sports equinox we talk about. We might even mix in some other stuff in that. Right. But we had college football over five days this past week, and so I thought, why not just stick with that? And so... The bets were as follows. Um, we had Coastal Carolina, minus two against Army. They ended up getting the dub on that one, so that one hit. Pitt, minus seven and a half against West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Obviously, that did not end up going great. App nope. State, plus one against North Carolina in Boone. That one took years off my life in that game. 44th quarter points from App State in a game they ultimately end up losing on the backs of not one, but two incredibly tense missed two-point conversion tries down the stretch of that game. So a bummer and an L there. Middle Tennessee State plus six versus James Madison. The Dukes came out and boat raced. Middle Tennessee State, welcome to D1 football. Welcome to the Sun Belt, James Madison. Happy to Love see that. you here. 
And then the last two, we had the odds booster as well through the friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. We appreciate that, the 25% pregame and mid-game bet odds boost there. I had Notre Dame over four and a half first quarter points. That one did not end up hitting. Stymied and held to a field goal after a big first play and couldn't manage it after that. And then Notre Dame plus 17 and a half. It ended at plus 17 on Friday. That one, Notre Dame ends up covering because good teams win and great teams cover. Amen. So we went we went two and four on the first weekend, Brandon, which I don't feel great about, but we got to put our hand up. We got to be held accountable in front of the community in case it gets to a point where people just need to fade whatever I'm going to say. Listen, week one is week one. I feel like averages for these sports gamblings are uh, gamblings. Listen, it's it's batting averages are, are taken to consideration, right? And right now you're betting 500 and people can decide which of the picks of the six of the picks wait a minute is that right 500 well no so i was gonna say i'm two and four i would be two of six on the bat which means i would be i would be batting you know 30.3333333 repeating that ain't bad for week one and you know what it is it is, it is worth noting, Brandon, it could be worse because week one, we know as little about all these teams as we're going to all right. season. And shit, in college football, in the transfer portal era, where we've Come got all this volatility and movement in addition to a sport that churns rosters like this, I don't feel quite as bad about it. We will reassess after week two and see how we're living. We'll have the NFL games involved in that one, too. Mike, I went. Uh, I was in Jersey, so I put some put some wagers in on the game. I got a little crazy with my pick. Uh, I did the same game parlay with uh, with a pick four. If I would have, uh, so I had two bets. Obviously, I, I the Notre Dame spread. I knew they were going to cover, so uh, one money there. And then the second bet was this crazy same day park same game parlay. It was I bet total score a uh, total points even Notre Dame twenty one and a half over uh, under for points. And then uh, there's something else to actually hit. Oh, Notre Dame, uh, new alternative spread, uh, nine and a half. Um, Notre Dame plus nine and a half. So, if I, Mike, if I would have broke that four game, uh, that, that same day parlay into different bets, I would have been, I would have been, what, three or five on my bets. And instead, I just got greedy and crazy. So, so I'm going to be more smart. You know what I mean? Now that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be heading home soon eventually. So, I'm going to put some future uh, futures down for NFL. Like that, that, that Ravens Super Bowl it pays out really well right now. Might, might throw some bread right around there. So, I don't know, man. This is, it's very nice to make educated guesses uh, about these games. And, and it definitely helps when it comes to uh, pulling for certain things. Like, especially for the Notre Dame game, Mike, when Ohio State went up. I was like, yes, now Notre Dame has to score because I need them to score 21 points for this crazy-ass same, uh, same game parlay to hit. It is amazing how it changes the rooting experience. Although I will say, in general, for that Notre Dame game, because while I said we don't know a ton coming off week one, I feel like there are a few things here. And we'll, we'll have uh, a, a special guest tomorrow. We'll do a little bit more deep dive into the college football weekend that we had and maybe some other concrete takeaways. But... There were a few things that definitely stood out over the weekend, right? One of them, I think, was the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Because I know, while Notre Dame lost, it was a road game, on the road in Columbus, college game day was there. It was, we talked about my game, which was certainly huge for a lot of reasons. But Notre Dame, it was a top five matchup on the road, a true road game for one of these. It wasn't Oregon and Georgia playing in the Dome or anything like that. 
So all of those reasons, yes, Notre Dame still lost. Notre Dame had a halftime lead. They were up 10-7. They end up losing 21-10 to um, as Ohio State just kind of has it go away and go their, you know, go their way for the rest of this. I did not receive this loss the same way that so many other people receive Notre Dame big game losses in the past, right? Where we get to the end of the season, it's these bowl games that we've seen from Notre Dame, and the Notre Dame big game thing is very real for people outside of Notre Dame circles looking at them from the rest of college football saying, when is Notre Dame going to win one of these usually marquee bowl games that happens at the end of the the year? There's something about Notre Dame and top five matchups and things we know the Notre Dame-Clemson win during the pandemic, people look at it a little differently because Trevor Lawrence wasn't starting, all, all these things. But Brandon, those are usually at the end of the season. Those are usually with fully formed teams. You and I both know this. At the beginning of every year, it's a different team. You're growing into what you're going to be. The cliche is everyone wants to play their best football in November and December. Right. I look at this Notre Dame team and I say, all right, while this is a big game and you would love to have won it, They walked in very outmanned. We know Ohio State is up there with Alabama and Georgia as the teams that can recruit talent at a different level. They come back with one of the scariest offenses, the way people talked about this thing heading into the season. Big hire on coordinator at Jim Knowles with a bunch of good guys back. Versus a Notre Dame team that is down one of their captains on the offensive line in Jarrett Patterson, down one of their uh, captains at wide receiver in Avery Davis, walks into this with Tyler Buckner making his first start in earnest as the full-time starter going into a season, and Marcus Freeman, a 36-year-old first-time head coach, going on the road to play at his alma mater. So yes, it's a big game, but to me it's different in the fact that it was so close for so long, and that this really was virtually a four-point game until the waning moments. There's no moral victories. They're going to walk out having wanted to win this, but based on how they had to go about it, I look at this and I go, this to me is much more of a potential point of growth for this young team who's going to walk into the rest of this season and say, we're not going to see another offense with that kind of firepower, maybe until the USC game, depending on what that team ends up morphing into. They got a good start this season. Defensively, that Ohio State unit, has already gotten that Jim Knowles stamp on it. Like people who have watched mm-hmm. Oklahoma State for the last few years, this shit looked familiar. They were wild up front. And that was the biggest issue, I think, for Notre Dame is up front on both sides of the ball. Ohio State seemed to have a bit of the advantage, but man, Notre Dame on the back end, Tariq Bracey and those defensive backs, Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern, they were able to hold that wide receiver group in check. The last time we saw Jackson yep. Smith and Jigba, he was rewriting the Rose Bowl record books in that game against Utah. C.J. Stroud has talked about, I think Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay have him as their number one prospect in the NFL draft above the kid who just won the freaking Heisman. And you were able to hold them to seven first half points. You were able to hold them to 21 for the game. So on defense, I came away pretty impressed. And that's been the standard around Notre Dame for a bit. On offense, you had a quarterback that, listen, up front right now, that Notre Dame offensive line room knows the standard. And we mentioned they're without Jared Patterson, who's one of their captains. Harry, he stands back in town. But that stuff and that unit in particular take time. And they went up against probably as good a group as they'll see all year. And that other group won the fight for some of the day. There were some mistakes in there that ultimately I don't think allowed them to do as much on offense as they would have wanted to. But I look at all of those things and say, all right, you face one of the hardest teams you're going to face, maybe the hardest all year, probably the hardest. I don't know why I'm qualifying that. 
That'll be the, the toughest schedule. team they face yeah. all year, unless Clemson finds a whole bunch of offense that we can't predict right now. And yet I felt like Notre Dame fans were doing the sky is falling thing. And there were people going after Tommy Reese for the play calling. And it just felt insane to me. I understand people get tired of getting the win the big game shit from everybody. But you got to look at where this program is and say, man, this is an opportunity for them to gain a lot and learn a lot like teams are supposed to between weeks one and two. So, man, Notre Dame fans, take a deep breath and calm down. This is going to get better before it gets worse. And walking in there, beat up and thin at wide receiver with yes. an offensive line missing one of its best players and being able to do what they did, knowing they were going to have to take the air out of the ball for that game script. Again, the team's not going to believe in moral victories, but I am going to look at this game as much more of a stepping stone than a setback in their season. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, we're replacing a running back that was the bulk of our offense last year as well like i understand right there's no moral there's no moral victories and i understand that people say that but i'd like to disagree when it comes to a, a head coach's first year being a head coach with his program because i think this entire system sorry i i think this entire season is going to to be built upon morality not morality but like uh moral uh it's about the buy-in, Mike. Like, everyone already loves Marcus Freeman because of what they think they see on paper, what they think they see on social media, what they think they see in these interviews. But when it comes to what happens in between the lines, I was at a wedding trying to follow the, the shit on my phone, and I couldn't help to be excited that we were going into the fourth quarter up in Ohio State. Like, at Ohio State with that team, for all the reasons that you mentioned before, Mike, and I, I can't. I didn't. I wasn't watching at the time, so I don't know the vitriol that was coming toward our former, our former teammate, also good friend Tommy Reese's way. But we, I can say that it was an uninformed decision, just because, or it, it's ill-advised. I'll say it's ill-advised, and, and for all the yes. reasons that you mentioned before, like because this is the beginning of something, and it, it. I don't. I'm trying not to repeat everything you said, but I I completely agree with you. But I would like to add that this is, in fact, a moral victory. Like I was almost feeling, I was almost in that locker room, Mike, and I was like, "Gosh, I wish." I hope the Notre Dame players don't get caught smiling too much in the showers or getting dressed and stuff like. Oh, you know what I mean? Like Brandon, I know they probably I, wanted I, to win I, that I, game. I, I I guarantee they won't feel that way. You know that they're not going to feel yes, that way. I, Brandon, I, uh, yes, they're yes, not, but they're, Brandon. They're not. They're not going to feel that way. You and I both know and have been inside talking, those I'm locker rooms about, before, I'm, and especially. But I'm not. Talk, I'm not talking about the win or loss. I'm talking about how they, how, how they, how they feel like they, they had the game and like the that they, they, they're like, Mike. We walk away from those games demoralized a lot of time. Like we literally can't even pick our heads up out of the sand for the next week game because we're thinking about how much we got our teeth kicked in from the, the big game, the big, the the big, uh, the big stage embarrassment. I think that this is different now, and it may be not not as easy as just like someone thinking that uh, a loss to Ohio State is a win. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think they're optimistic going into the rest of the season after this game. Well, it's different because you have the rest of the season. Like, again, the big game thing usually comes in the last game of the year. It's in the playoff. It's in the Fiesta Bowl like it was this last year. Like it's been in years past. And then you have an off season. Now you have a chance to do something about it. And that, to me, is the biggest difference. So there won't be optimism, but there'll be a sense of, 
all right, we know what we've got to fix. And it got shown in big, bold letters in this game because, man, if you want to test the pipes, go ahead and flush it with the water that Ohio State was supplying because I have a feeling that's going to be a very good football team. C.J. Stroud looked a little off in that game. But the offensive line blocked him up pretty well. The defensive line, that defensive group is impressive and fast and physical in the front seven. So, Notre Dame fans, take a deep breath, man. Honestly, take a deep breath. I know it's not everybody, but man, I saw way too many people losing their shit over a game where you walked in as 17-point dogs. And that was real. That was real in the disparity walking into that game. And that team went out and proved otherwise. So, that one, I just... I wanted to basically throw some cold water on what felt like it was a little bit of a freak out because you had... The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The juxtaposition going on of Brian Kelly heading down to LSU. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have felt insecure or self-conscious about that. We'll get Mm. to that game certainly as well because holy wild Mm. ending to the weekend, Batman. But, Mm. Brandon, before we dive into Brian Kelly's opening stanza as LSU's head coach, the one thing I did come out of this weekend feeling good about because I picked Utah to be in my Final Four in the CFP and they lost week one, so that didn't feel great right off the start. Alabama jettisons Utah State. That one was pretty predictable. And Ohio State beat Notre Dame. So that's a huge resume booster for them walking into this season as a non-con. But Georgia, out in Atlanta, went and put it on Oregon enthusiastically. And Brandon, it wasn't as much what they did as how because Bo Nix turnovers are something that, unfortunately, we as college football fans kind of became accustomed to during his time at Auburn. Right. That Oregon team looked pretty solid on offense in other spots. And the Georgia defense, we said, was going to take a step down from that otherworldly level that was last season. And it looked that way. Oregon was able to move the ball between the lines. Georgia stepped up in the red zone. They managed to turn them over a couple of times. There were all these reasons why they did well. The Georgia offense was out here hosting them and Dan Lanning the head coach of Oregon the former defensive coordinator last year for the Georgia Bulldogs in that championship run I don't know if they mixed up the bag some because he had so much familiarity with the well with the team or what but this Georgia offense looked dynamic Brandon I mean you already knew Brock Bowers is one of the best tight ends if not the best tight end of the country Darnell Washington their other tight end is a 6'7 270 pound Sasquatch that hurtled a man in the open field but shit Stetson Bennett the former walk-on who everyone wanted to joust out of the job 
Looked nice as hell in this game, Brandon. Looked absolutely nice as hell. When you have Stetson Bennett out here balling all in your face and a guy like Lad McConkey at wide receiver who has an incredibly lacrosse-sounding name absolutely remixing what's supposed to be a really good defense for Oregon, now all of a sudden I look up and go, maybe the identity shift has somewhat happened and maybe all of that holdover confidence from being the defending champs bled into that offensive room because, Brandon, they look ready to take up the mantle and be a strength for this team if the defense isn't going to be lights out like it was last year. Stetson Bennett, 25 of 31 for 368 yards and two touchdowns. And with impressive throws, with like some fuck yes. you throws in there from the dude. Yes, yes, and I and I'm I'm glad he did it because he needed to say it. Because even we are so obsessed with how people look physically, Mike, and in, in football and in college yep. in college football, I guess football in general, right? And Kirby Smart uh, during the preseason says we expect Stetson Bennett to go out there and be a starter. And, and play like a starter, like a national championship, national champion starter. And everybody's like, oh, that he's giving an out. He's giving him out an out for when we see him take that 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 fall uh, that fall from grace. But nah, not Stetson Bennett. Like this is this was this was one of those games that I didn't watch, but I saw the line and I was like, oh shit, damn, yeah. like. That somebody was ready and somebody was not. And uh, it looks like uh, Oregon and. Everything they got going over there, like obviously Pac-12, it's it's never yeah. good. Oh. Pac-12 Pac took a hit the, week one the way uh, Big Ten usually takes a hit in the bowl games. I mean, it was it was a catastrophe week one for the Pac-12 between that showing by Oregon and then Utah, who was the favorite to win the conference, losing to a Florida team that was picked to finish fourth in the SEC East to start the year. That's probably going to change pretty soon, but. Yeah, it was scary hours there. That Georgia team looks the part, and I am going to be fascinated to watch how that offense continues to evolve over the course of this season with Stetson Bennett and Lad McConkey leading the charge. God help everyone else. But, Brandon, you mentioned uh, – we were so I mentioned you and I. LSU and Florida State was the nightcap on Sunday night. Brian Kelly's first yes. game in purple going up against Mike Norvell and a Florida State team that – had some sneaky feel to it. Jordan Travis is now the full-time guy this year. There wasn't any more of that will-he-won't-he a quarterback in that room. They let Eric Atkins, when you let the offensive line coach take over play calling, good things happen. Kenny Dillingham actually did a really good job at Oregon calling plays for them, I thought, as well. So, But you let the big boy call the plays, you see good things happen. And this game had an absolute batshit finish, Brandon. LSU ends up losing 24-23. to in part thanks to a mixed extra point after what mm. could have been the game-tying touchdown in this game. LSU and Jaden Daniels, the transfer quarterback mm. from Arizona State, drove the length of the field with under a minute left, scored, and then lined up to kick the extra point and got it blocked. And Brandon, for LSU tonight, and Ross Dellinger summed this up pretty well. does a great job writing over at SI. LSU special teams tonight had two muffed punts, a blocked extra point, and a blocked field goal attempt in this game. And for Brian Kelly now, this is going to be a very interesting week, Brandon. I said that this is a coach that raises the floor everywhere he goes, but I don't think I realize just how 
behind personnel-wise they were in critical areas. And for Brian Kelly, it's always been the offensive line. And for LSU, that was exactly the problem. Florida State was living in that backfield and making life for Jaden Daniels a living hell that night. In the first half, Daniels was really their only source of rushing offense in this game. Um, They've got... uh, I mean, one of the best wide receivers in college football, and Keon Butte, and really was largely a no-show in the beginning in the first half of this game. People were, I think, pretty flustered as to why one of the best players in college football ended the game with two catches for 20 yards. Sorry, Keishon Butte. I don't know why Keon Butte. Keishon Butte. Finish the game with two catches for 20 yards. Could be the number one receiver in the draft. And so now this is going to be the interesting part, I think, for the response in Brian Kelly. Because he's weathered a lot. He was the head coach at Notre Dame for over a decade. He's been the center of conversation in a negative light at times. But to start the season 0-1 down here, I believe I saw uh, Pete... Or, uh, Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame for the Athletics, say Brian Kelly had won something like 42 straight games against unranked opponents until tonight. SEC, baby. This, or, yeah, well, it was, yeah, Pete Sampson, well, 42 straight SEC. games against unranked opponents. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but but I, I guess that's the, that's the it just means more part that's about to come, Brandon, is how does this get digested now? Because the other thing that happened in this game, and I'm not actually saying I think this is a bad thing because we saw this last year this is Sunday night on the standalone game two years in a row Brian Kelly and Notre Dame played Florida State last year and barely walked out of Tallahassee with a win against Mike Norvell's Florida State Seminoles now fast forward this year this one was played in Louisiana at I believe the Caesars Superdome now formerly the Mercedes Superdome and essentially a home game for LSU And Brian Kelly loses this one to Mike Norvell, and largely because of those special teams mishaps that we saw. But at halftime, it's the quote that I guarantee local radio is going to run wild with over the next week, Brandon. Brian Kelly comes out of halftime and gets interviewed by Katie George, who's doing the sideline with this game. And he said... I don't think we can play any worse in than we did in the first half. Well, it's my first game here, so maybe we can. And it was just like last year when Brian Kelly tried to make that execution joke at the end of the game, and it really didn't go over the way he thought, and everyone spent the next couple of days making a lot of big deal out of it. This one is yep. going to be the one that people pin to the soundboard and get ready to run in local radio in Baton Rouge because, Brandon, I don't know what this season's going to look like overall for them. Again, with the offensive line being behind what Brian and Mike Denbrock, their offensive coordinator, are used to with a couple of key injuries on the defensive side at the beginning of this game that also made life difficult for LSU. I, I'm going to be very curious what the initial reaction is as everyone always tells us 0-1 in the SEC West is a little bit different than 0-1 everywhere else. Yes, but I just want to put a big Brian Kelly red face spotlight on Brian Kelly, which the purple matches the, the mad face a little bit better than the uh, whatever he was wearing at Notre Dame. Mike, it was weird to see a team that looked like they were coached by Coach Kelly. And is that does that make sense? Obviously, you talked about the offensive line, things like that. But I'm talking about the special teams and the special teams coordinator being scared shitless. It was like back when uh, the way Kelly used to yell at Dane and, and Tommy Reese and all the other quarterbacks in Notre Dame, it, he gets in his coach's asses, which is normal for head coaches. But the, yeah. the special teams co- coach was looking like he was 
playing scared the entire time from the muff punt on. And I, obviously, it's not. It wasn't the coordinator because we know who the coordinator say, actually like, is. I was gonna say we, yeah, the, coordinator the, coordinator was, the coordinator was our former coordinator Brian Polian, yes. who was at Notre Dame right. a couple and of he was not times. Talk- right. He was he was he was he was being cordial with with, with uh, Paulian. It was it was whoever was getting everybody lined up and things like that. You know, Brian always likes to Brian. I'm gonna call him Brian now. He likes to uh, get at, get at people that can't get back at him. But Mike, it, it just seems like it's gonna be some some up uh, uphill battle. Like it was already going to be at LSU, obviously. And he is good at rebuilding programs. And I do think that they're gonna find themselves on the opposite side of some of these wins, Mike. But it just looks like he hadn't. It looks like. It just looks like, I, I, well, it, it, it looks Brandon, like a, it's a run adju- of the mill. It's, adju- it's it's the it's the adjustment that has to get made based on the personnel he's got. And I I've done a lot of interviews because we were coached by Brian Kelly, and so a lot of people down in the Bayou wanted to know what they're getting and what they can expect. And the one thing I've said was when you look at Brian Kelly at all the different spots that he has been at, from Central Michigan to Cincinnati to Notre Dame and now LSU, he's had different personnel and different resources available to him at each spot. Meaning at Cincinnati, you could recruit a little bit more skill talent that wasn't going to make it in some of the Big Ten schools around Ohio. And you could work on the offensive line. Obviously, we've seen Luke Fickle take that to the next level. But so what did we see? We saw more receiver talent there, the quarterbacks that they would use, getting the ball out quick and wide receiver screens, the stuff that Brian Kelly came in and wanted to run initially at Notre Dame. When we came, he came in, we wanted to be up-tempo and go hurry up on offense. He wanted a bunch of those wide-out tunnel screens. And then we weren't very good at that, and he figured out – Hey, at Notre Dame, I can recruit a lot of quality offensive and defensive linemen. I can recruit great tight ends at this school that's got a pipeline to the NFL at that position. I'll lean all in on that and make that the identity of the team. And that's what it was for a decade under BK at Notre Dame and is still trying to be now at that school. But then he came down here, and so I looked at the situation and said, all right, you don't have a ton of tight ends on the roster the way that you'd want there. The offensive line has definitely fallen off since that 2019 season where they won the Joe Moore Award, and they're trying to build that back up. And so in the meantime, I thought we would see a lot more of Butte in this wide receiver room being utilized in the short area passing game, getting the ball out of Jaden Daniels' hand quick. We did see a little bit of that wide receiver screen game, but I thought he'd be throwing that at them left and right to try and account for that. And I wonder, Mike Denbrock's been a great coordinator, was at UC last year when they made the playoff run, is a guy that I know and love, and I think is really good and will make this adjustment. But it's just going to be a matter of how soon, because again, we know they're not as willing to wait around for it in that conference, in that division, at that school. And that's going to be the charge for them now. I think they're capable of getting to where they want to go, but it's always the question of how patient is this fan base and this school going to be, even if it is a new regime running things. Right. And just realistically, they need to reset their expectations. Not They need to recognize the, the level of patience that they had thought that they were going to give Brian Kelly. They need to add a couple of iotas to it because there are pieces out there, Mike. Like, shout out to Mason Taylor, Joy Taylor's nephew, Jason Taylor's son, a friend of the podcast, freshman year, coming from St. Aquinas, and he looked good at, at tight end for LSU, especially for a freshman. Like, I, I think it's – it's uh, and, and the, the DBs were, were, were played well every now and then. It's, it's a team that definitely feels like it was shaken up by all the upheaval that happened from their uh, coaching staff. And they got some time to, to, to bounce back. But what I like to see, Mike, is uh, shout out to Roddy Jones who came to help us preview the, the ACC. Florida State, man. 
Florida State looks. Jordan Travis looked good, man. Jordan Travis, look good. they look good. They look. You know what? Outside of the outside of them looking good, Mike, because I think that might be a bridge too far. Because I don't know where LSU will fall. They look competitive as hell. They look like they got a dog in them, and I, I love to see that from a Florida State team. I went uh, and covered their game against Louisville and Tallahassee last year, and it was like the first time since the 70s they ended up losing that game and losing four straight to start the season. And the one thing that amazed me is even as they were hearing it from all angles, what a disappointment that team was. I went to their Friday practice, and that team was still going really hard for Mike Norvell. And you saw in the game that no matter how down they were, there wasn't, they didn't stop fighting that season and seemed to play really hard and buy into what their coach was selling there. And it, buy-in's a, a word that gets overused in that. But it did seem to be that there wasn't this, all right, well, we're going to throw it in, throw in the towel now because we don't have anything to play for. There was pride in that, and that showed up, I think, in this game for Mike Norvell as well. It showed up across the way in Florida and Gainesville when we talk about what they did against Utah. You want to talk about putting it on tape right away that you believe what the coach is selling. So that stuff is real with these new programs, and I think for LSU – it's a reminder that you did play a bowl game not too long ago with something like 39 scholarship players this past year. You got some True. stuff structurally that needs to get rebuilt. You've got the resources and the talent down there to do it, and you're going to have to probably exercise a little patience because this season might have a few more downs mixed in with the ups than you're used to. So that was a big cap to the college football weekend. We'll hit plenty more of that tomorrow as well because this college football weekend had a little bit of everything i saw seven points get made out of something i had never seen before thanks to the iowa hawkeyes but brandon before we get to any of that tomorrow we still got to finish up today so uh do you know what time it is (sighs) mike i do and i gotta get ready never made it as a wise man couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing Tired of living as a blind man Sick side without a sense of feeling This is that and the third of I really am This is that and the third of I really am You sound like a constipated baby <laughs> Taking everything of me not to go too far I'm building this time On the third and bottom World in my hand. One thing I did that and the third. Okay, I'm done. So, technically, that was one of the worst you've ever done. Really? But. Vibes-wise and weird haunting grunting somehow had me still intrigued. So thank you, and I'm sorry. Or you're welcome, and I'm sorry to everyone who listened. Download, subscribe, rate, and review as always. Leave us a five-star rating and tell Brandon what you thought of that. You've been getting a lot of praise lately, Brandon, and I feel like the crowd may turn on you. Hey, I'm waiting for it. That's all I need. It's like when you, sometimes you feel too much love. You're like, let me give him something they're going to hate so I can bounce back on their ass, you know? Sure. We'll go with that, Brandon. <laughs> we'll absolutely go with that. Brandon, let's get to this because someone who's going to be in need of a big-time bounce back oh, is man. Virginia Tech. Now, 
The Hokies mm. were also welcoming a new head coach in. Brent Pry came over after coordinating the defense at uh, Penn State for the last few seasons under James Franklin and took over for a proud program in Virginia Tech that wanted to hang their hats on the kind of defense that he played. Unfortunately, they lost to Old Dominion on Friday night. They lost 20-17 to in a game that also featured their head coaches being late coming back out from halftime because they were stuck in an elevator in the stadium. This play- game was played on the road at Old wow. Dominion. And then after the fact... Players and coaches returned into the visiting locker room to find that items had been stolen from their lockers during the game. Now, a statement from the school said that Virginia Tech Athletic Department confirmed there were missing items from Tech's locker room following the football game against ODU in Norfolk Friday night. The university is working with law enforcement and Old Dominion University on the matter and will have no further comment. Now, this is the second time in a number of years that they have lost to Old Dominion and so for a number of reasons, you could see this game ending up off the schedule. But Brandon, that is insult to injury after a tough opening night for Brent Pry. Yeah, that, 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 that just can't happen. I know it has happened, like you said, but it can't. Because like, you'll, you'll get off the schedule real quick. I, I've mentioned it before I went to Ball State for my fifth year. Uh, at that point in time, I think they had already beat IU once. And then we had a, them on the schedule again. And we beat IU again at IU and Ball State got taken off of IU schedule like no more we're not giving you money to beat us anymore and that's just sometimes some of these schools that you think ain't got the dog in them I don't have these other teams number that's exactly what they got the other teams number ODU had plenty of dog in them, there's no doubt. It's unfortunate that it had had to end with items potentially missing here. We remember the whole fiasco surrounding this at Jackson State last year and Deion Sanders' first season at the helm with yes. what went on. So you don't like to see any of this creep its way in, but congrats to, o- congrats to ODU on the win because uh, to be able to do that twice in a number of years is pretty damn impressive for them. But Brandon... Virginia Tech wasn't the only one uh, not feeling great after a loss. Uh, we'll get to that. And this is one I saw up close. So I mentioned I was at Gainesville for with Learfield IMG College Football Saturday night covering the Utah and Florida game. And what we got in the game, and I remember talking to someone before the game, and they asked how I thought this one was going to go. And I said, I thought Utah would probably win by a touchdown, but if Anthony Richardson ends up supernovaing and being the guy that everyone thought he could be, then things could get interesting. And things got interesting. And Florida won that game. And you and, and so after a game, usually what happens, especially at big-time D1 programs like Utah, like Florida, like Notre Dame, you go back, you get on the bus, you fly, go to the airport, and you get on a charter plane, and the whole team and the staff and personnel all fly back home. I got to Gainesville Airport the next morning. It's a small regional airport, kind of about the size of South Bend Regional. I'd say even a little bit smaller than that. And I walk in past security with Sloan Martin, who is on play-by-play. And I walk past, and I see there's a lot of people in the airport. And this is for a 6 a.m. flight. We're there at 5 o'clock Eastern. And I look at a bench next to me, and I'm like, man, that gentleman looks a lot like Kyle Whittingham. And then I look around, and I see a lot of players with red Utah issue gear that have numbers on them. And I go, that is Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of Utah. And that is the entire team sitting in the airport laid out all over this place in a way that confused the hell out of me. I saw Dan Orlovsky, who was on the TV call for ESPN, posted a video of it also. 
Apparently, after the game, Utah's charter flight around midnight was delayed because of mechanical issues. They sat and it was rescheduled for 4 a.m. Eastern, but did not leave on time for that either. These guys had sat on the runway for about four hours and then were forced to sit around in the airport waiting for this after a game that had just been a, a tough loss to start their season. And this was still a team that played really well, was really good. They eventually made it back to Salt Lake City just before 7.30 p.m., I think Pacific time. So spent a lot of their day in that Gainesville airport after a 29-26 loss. So, man, I, I hope for those guys they're able to get it back on track. That's a football team that still has a lot of stuff to play for. But that's going to throw off the beginning part of this next week because – Usually you have a day off on Sunday or Monday. There's a lot of recovery built into that. The coaching staff gets a head start on game planning for the next week. And now all of that is shortened up for this Utah team. So I hope those guys get a chance to just kind of take a deep breath and recover from all that because it's a shitty way to end up after a you know shitty night, I'm sure, for how those guys felt after that game. Yeah, next week they have Southern Utah. So... Hope that they could bounce back. You know, it's one of those that they can get their confidence back. But I don't know, man. After a loss like that, a uh, big embarrassment, you could see that it's, it feels like some press clippings were being read. It feels like a, the, the, is that, that makes, is that too far to say, Mike? <clears throat> I don't think so, Brandon, as much as it was the weight of some of the departures being felt, right? Because offensively, they were able to do a lot of what they wanted to do. They bring True. back two True. of the most productive tight ends in the Pac-12, a quarterback who's a good... Like, I think the thing that shown through in this game was, Brandon, is Cam Rising is a very good college quarterback, Utah's quarterback. We saw him yeah. do great things in the uh, Rose Bowl last year. But for the most part, he's going to be a guy that throws somewhere over 200 yards for you a game. He rushed for almost 500 in 2021, so he's mobile enough to help you out. But some errant passes in critical moments throughout the game. Anthony Richardson for Florida has a chance to be a great quarterback, and he's got supreme gifts. And that's kind of what shined through is at the end of the day, one team had the guy with supreme gifts, and the other team has to live by the code that they've always lived by out at Utah. And there's still plenty of talent there, but it's a lot harder to replace a Devin Lloyd as the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year on their side, and some of the D-linemen that were also NFL-bound on that side of the ball. They've got very good players there, but... You saw having one guy that special on Florida's sideline really change that game. So I don't know if it was press clippings as much as just a team with an otherworldly talent finally got the rest of their act together and maximized all those five stars that are on that roster because Florida is still one of the most talented teams in college football in a lot of ways. So that's why I hope Utah still realizes, hey, this doesn't even end their playoff hopes. They can still go out and win the Pac-12 South, win the Pac-12 championship and have the stay in how their season goes. Yes, I agree with you, and the, but that reminded me that I'm very happy that didn't have an answer for him season is back because that's exactly what happened with Richardson. Oh. And it's like a college football idiom of anything. Like, did, they just didn't have an answer for him. At Himothy, that dog in him, all of the above. If you wanted to find the NFL scouts in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, all you had to do was go stand on the field pregame over by where 15 was warming up, and there were plenty of them over there with some teams that might be needing a quarterback in the next few years. So, uh, Brandon, let's get to the third, and that is, as someone texted me, since I am essentially a part of the Major League eating beat, this felt like relevant information here. The National Buffalo Wing Festival that goes on in Buffalo, New York 
every September had the 21st annual National Buffalo Wing Festival, including the National Buffalo Wing Eating Competition. And some of the names up here will be familiar to Major League Eating fans. Jeffrey Esper, who has been in usually the top five, if not the top two, of Major League Eating's rankings, finished third with 194 wings. Joey Chestnut, America's hot dog hero on the 4th of July, finished second with 224 wings. And in first place, Brandon, give it up for Mickey Sudo, the number one ranked female eater in the world, the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating multi-time champion in the women's division, won with 233 wings in the contest. Mickey Sudo, who missed last year's Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating contest because she was pregnant with her and competitive eater Nick Weary's first child, has come back, won the belt, the mustard belt, this summer in the 4th of July's hot dog eating contest, and now reigns supreme over everybody in chicken wings, Brandon. 233 is a staggering number. It is, Mike. It is, Mike. But I think she was at a disadvantage. Or not she was at a disadvantage. Joey Chestnut was at a disadvantage. Uh, because I, I'm looking it up right now. He had a Raising Cane's uh, record that he just broke. I think it was... 44 chicken fingers in five minutes and mm. that happened about a month ago so i'm thinking uh, not that not that not that she probably could beat him at any point in time but i feel like joey had a lot of chicken on his on in in, in his gullet still and then you know the breaded and the chicken tenders i mean 44 chicken tenders in five minutes but 244 chicken wings 33 233 chicken 233 wings. Brandon, wings are one of those things that I've... I, 233. 33, okay. Excuse me. Chicken wings are one okay. of those things no, that wings. I feel like I could do decently well eating fast and professionally, but not to this level. I could probably... I think right now, if you got me on a good day, I could probably give you into the high 80s, but there's no way I'm get, touching this kind of air. This is terrifying. No, I don't think I want to, Mike. I, I know I don't chew well enough. I now would probably... I mean, I would have to get a physical bone removed from my esophagus. I think so. If I was being competitive, I, I would I would try the bone marrow. What? Why? You'd be wasting I'm, your time. I'm saying time I wouldn't be, be able to handle it. I wouldn't be able to control it. I'm saying I wouldn't oh. be able to control it. It would just be like it would just go in. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're, I don't oh. know. Yeah, no. I don't know fatigue what's a good fatigue makes this, cowards but. of us all. Yeah, I I was really right, right, concerned right. about where you were going to go with that. So. No, yeah, yeah. I don't think I can digest bones, but yeah. But it's a good point. Fatigue absolutely makes cowards of us all, and I'm sure in that point you and I would have our jaws just completely hanging wide open because we have weak little baby muscles compared to these true competitors. True that. We appreciate the true competitor in you that gets you to the end of this podcast each and every week, somehow, some way. If you liked it, if you feel it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends to do the same. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And, of course, head over to the DraftKings YouTube page. Subscribe there and check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on that site where you can see our bright, smiling faces, our wonderful guests that come by, and take in all the action there if you want to do it from your desktop or your cell phone. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.